Welcome to Manchester is Red, the podcast from the Manchester Evening News, all about all things Manchester United. My name is James Robson. I'm Manchester United correspondent for the Manchester Evening News. With me is Alex Porter, Deputy United Editor, and Kieran Kelly, United Writer. Hello. How are you? Hi, good to see you again. Have we recovered from Saturday yet? Have you woken up? Well, I was going to say, was, uh, I'm not sure recovering is the uh, right word, is it? Uh, rather sleep-inducing, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's quite funny how uh, people forgot how Jose Mourinho used to, some of his best games have been those kind of performances and set-ups and the first you know, 10-11 games of the season made you maybe forget about that to a degree, but it seems to be back and uh, might have to get used to it, I think. Not I very welcome, I, I have to say. Um, my biggest issue with it is, I think you make a good point, Kieran, you know, this is... This is the way that Mourinho has won, won titles. This We should always have expected this. But I suppose I expected this perhaps against Chelsea away, City away. Liverpool, their, their weak link is the defence. but And the best part of, of the team is the attack. But let's have the, let the attack have a ball and not, not uh, go out the defence. didn't seem to make any logical sense to me. I'm going to offer a counter-argument. Of course. My, my irritation with this was one game and all of a sudden... You can already see it. The season is being pictured in the context of Mourinho, boring, enemy of football, ignoring the fact that they've scored four goals six times this season. He goes out with a plan against Liverpool. It was miserable. I was there. It was horrible. No one wants to watch that. It's dull. But getting a point at Anfield, there's nothing wrong with that. A few days later, Liverpool scores seven goals. It now, looks Maribel. Are you equating United to Maribel? I'm not, but I'm saying that Liverpool have got a good attack. And his plan, if Mourinho scores, if, if Lukaku scores his goal, the plan, the plan goes to goes perfectly. Yeah, I agree with you, but you are relying on someone to score the one chance in the game. I mean, Louis van Gaal were banged on about this for two years. I'm only just beginning to wake up from that, to be quite frank. But van Gaal didn't take United to the top of the table, scoring four goals left, right and centre. Getting a, draw, getting a draw at Liverpool, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the speed with which people have turned on Mourinho and suggested that he's, again, the enemy of football, is just beyond ridiculous. Can I tell you my problem with it, though? Because I agree with you to an extent, and that's why I said Chelsea away, City away, that was where I was sort of expecting these performances. Liverpool were sixth or seventh in the table at kick-off, I think. I don't think they're a, a rival for, for the title. If that's what United are aiming for, and given their two points off the summit, you'd have thought that's an aim at this point anyway, to challenge for it. Liverpool aren't going to challenge for the title. They're weak at the back. It just seemed one of those where it's not... A, draw, a drawaway Anfield is, is a good result if Liverpool are also going to be challenging but given they're not surely you're just allowing other teams to, to make up ground which City then did by going and, and smashing Stoke and there will be times where City go away to Anfield and United have got Stoke at home or, or an equivalent but I, ex- I would expect City to have gone and beaten that Liverpool team because I think United were perfectly capable of going and beating that Liverpool team Well, cliche time Liverpool may well be where they are I don't think any of us seriously think they're going to win the title but it's Liverpool. United v Liverpool is a specific game. Ferguson would go to Anfield and say, that game's just too big to lose. The emotional attachment to it. I don't think there's anything wrong with going there and saying, we'll, we'll take a draw. Maybe City don't go there with the same emotional attachment because the rivalry just isn't the same. I think people have rewritten the Fergie years, haven't they? I mean, Fergie's legacy has benefited so much from his retirement years. Like you'd have thought the United went to Anfield and scored five or six a time with swashbuckling football. And... They, they haven't. When was the last time no. United-Liverpool was a, was a good spectacle? 
was it was three three. That's I think we had this conversation, weren't we? Yeah. And let's remember after that three three, Fergie sacked Schmeichel. That's how happy he was with the three three. And Schmeichel had to come back and, and, <laughs> and ask for forgiveness. So this is That was something unrelated though, the result. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> big It wasn't related, but the row started yes, because yeah, Fergie yeah, was yeah. so furious yeah. with the fact United had conceded <laughs> three goals. So he didn't go to Anfield in a cavalier match. No, he did, no he didn't. But I think there's a difference. Of, with, between cavalier fashion and, and playing like that, and my, my biggest issue, as I, as I said, is the fact that Liverpool were there to be got at. The defence is not yeah, good, so surely you want to you, you want to have a little go at it because the the odds are that United, with the players they have, would have scored a goal. If there was a time <laughs> to take Liverpool on, yeah. this felt like it, didn't yeah. it? But I suppose Mar- look, Mourinho's job is to look at the big picture. You know, the, perhaps United fans go in there thinking, oh, we can really do Liverpool this time. Mourinho's thinking. 20 points from the start of the season, that's really good. City have only got two points more. City, the greatest team on earth, who have already been declared, yeah. uh, have only got two points more than United. So Mourinho hasn't done that badly. If you look at the fixtures they've had, a lot of similar fixtures. Yes, City have played Liverpool, United have played Liverpool, both played Stoke, both played Palace, City have played Chelsea, yes. City haven't played Liverpool away. Let's see what City do at Liverpool. Well, where they lost <laughs> last season. They did. Um, and Liverpool, one, one last point on this is, is the fact that um, City beat Liverpool 5 0 um, with a ridiculously naive performance from Jurgen Klopp, I thought. Once Sadio Mane was sent off, that helped City's cause an awful lot to be, to be attacking. And I thought um, Klopp's team folded in terrible fashion. And then he comes out and, and um, says after the United game, it's almost as if it was Mourinho's duty to go and play expansive football that would, allow, would have allowed Liverpool to win. And that's not what I'm saying. I mean, no team has to turn up and make Liverpool's job easier. That, that's not, exactly. not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that United's job might have been easier if they'd gone for Liverpool's weak points, which what, they didn't in this What game. irritates me is that in this country, we so quickly have a go at managers for being tactically naive, for being far too open. A manager shows a bit of tactical awareness and all of a sudden he's an enemy of football. There's got to be some sort of middle ground, surely. Yeah, um, but yeah we've been doing nothing but have a go at Klopp because he can't organise a defence. Yeah. Mourinho organises a defence. He's dreadful. It's nine clean sheets this season. It's not an enemy of football. I suppose it's just when you link back to some of those memories of still fresh from last season, playing six at the back at Middlesbrough, I think that's still in some supporters' minds and this, you know, bizarre idea of the United way, like the West Ham way, where these like age-old principles of flying wingers and I think there is more of a United way, <laughs> and it's been proven to win yeah, things. Like yeah, yeah, we, we've seen that. But this wasn't Middlesbrough, was it? No. So the, the, that just doesn't. It's not a fair comparison. If they do, th- if he does this against Huddersfield, yeah, then have a go. I don't think you're being fair to us, James. Actually, because I don't think me and Kieran are calling him the enemy of football as he suggesting. I think we're trying to find the middle ground here. We've both said we can understand. We know that Mourinho does this, but we've also said that perhaps this wasn't the game to do that. And I, and I think that's fair. I think Mourinho has also exaggerated it this week by saying. Oh, people say that I'm a criminal because I defend well. There's a difference between defending well and, and playing defensively as well, isn't there? And the enemy of football thing, that tag came because he made those comments about Andrus Frisk, who ended yeah. up retiring as a ref. I don't yes. think that's ever come about because of his uh, style of football. Because when you think back to uh, his Real Madrid side, for example, they were winning a lot of games, 4-5-0. Mm-hmm. But his ultimate legacy won't be his playing style, no matter whether he played five strikers against Liverpool or five defenders, it's going to be, he's a trophy manager. When you compare him to Cruyff or Guardiola or uh, Sachi or whoever you want, these kind of philosophers of the game, Marino's never claimed to be that. 
So I don't think this criticism of his playing style is really going to bother him at all. And no, I if anything, it could bring the squad um, even closer together because they're thinking, I know you mentioned that with Phil Jones before, how you know they're just probably laughing at the critics thinking, oh, you know, United are playing terrible football because you know it's you know a, a change in the past two games, but they obviously still have it in them to to pull out these amazing attacking swashbuckling displays. And when you think City really have that one plan of you know playing brilliant football, steamrolling teams, at least United know, particularly in tough European away games, they can revert to that. And that Plan B, um, I think what people are fearing is that that plan B will become the plan A going forward but I think it's just a combination of both because to win a title you need those you wrote a piece this week or I think it was that's why it's fresh in my head fresh in your head (laughs) well no because we we were talking about it at the time because I thought you did make a really good point in the fact that that is that can be a blueprint for the Europe for for Europe away games and the counterpoint to that I would say is the fact that Europe's set up to to be played that way in many ways. If you got, if you look at the group stages, you win your home games and you get a couple of draws away, you get through to the knockout stages. Mm-hmm. Knockout stages, and if you get a draw away and you can back yourself to win at home, um, which I think Mourinho would, then yes, then you're going to progress quite far in that competition. The league, the league's a different beast, and uh, to me, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say Mourinho is the enemy of football or anything <laughs> like Mr. James Robson seems to want me to suggest. I would say when he's <laughs> when he was described as the enemy of football over the weekend, which he was on numerous occasions. I don't think Anders Frisk was on anybody's <laughs> mind. Only mine. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think there were a lot of people after that Anfield game. Andy said that about Anders Frisk. <laughs> I just I just didn't think this was the right game to go for that approach when you look at how Liverpool's season had gone so far compared to how United's season had gone so far and the fact that we think it's going to be you know a fairly tight title race, we think. Um, it, it just didn't seem like the right game to, to go and play for a point. That's all I'm. That's all I was saying. But if you want to equate yeah. that with enemy of football, that's your prerogative, James. I just think in this country, for some reason, we have a serious problem with tactics, a serious problem with being able to defend, and yet as soon as anyone shows those weaknesses, we're all over them. I, there's got to be. That just doesn't seem fair. Guardiola was was attacked a lot last season for his own naivety. This season, that same style of football is now tearing teams apart. That suddenly, that doesn't suddenly make that right. What Mourinho's doing wrong no but I think you, you can also we can also the point of our jobs is to sit and uh, say what we think about certain performances as they happen and sure you have to take a, a longer view of things but that's what I was trying trying to do with that point in fact the longer view I would be concerned that if you go and play away and get a point off Liverpool Chelsea Arsenal Spurs all of them then that probably is not going to be enough to win the title in my opinion but that's we, we, we'll see we'll the, the table will come will tell us the answer come May won't it I would, you would have thought, I've not checked this out, you would have thought 20 points from eight games would be on course for the title? Yeah, it's it's the fact that at least you know now that they're going to beat the teams below them all going well, whereas I think this time last season they had already lost to Watford, for mm. example, and had some really shocking games in that regard, and they obviously had that 4-0 against Chelsea around this time last year as well, so I think it's that's probably still playing into his mind a bit, that kind of a defeat, you know, his worst ever defeat in English football. Um, as much as it would have been brilliant to see United go toe-to-toe with Liverpool, can you imagine if they lost 4-0? The headlines would have been everywhere mm-hmm. and it would have been, well, he's this defensive manager, that's where he's made his name and some of his best games have been playing really good defensive football. Why, if they suddenly lost that arch and it would have been, oh, United lost the ability to defend and you would have been talking about Liverpool scoring from a set-piece again and, 
I think those kind of doubts were obviously creeping in as bizarre as they are. Um, but I think he still has the confidence in his team to know that they can tear lower teams apart. But had United lost that game, you just don't know what might have happened. You know, would that have derailed them ever so slightly, um, given the exaggerated reaction, no matter what, you know, if they'd won, it would have been, oh, it's their title to lose in, in some quarters. And if they'd lost, it would have been, well, have they really progressed since last season, despite having such a good start? I was talking to Jones afterwards, and as a defender, you would expect him to have enjoyed a game like that. He seemed to have really enjoyed it. But is there is there the question, though? Would the players start thinking, does the manager not have faith in us to go out and beat those teams? Uh, possibly. I think if, you, you, if you'd spoken to Robert Lukaku after the game, we that may have... <laughs> And how did that conversation go? He seemed pretty happy as well. Because he did not look happy on the pitch, did he? No, I, I, again, some of the criticism of him I thought, I thought was ridiculous. I, I, I could, not, could not agree with you more. I think the criticism of him, he's had a great start to his career at United, scored, scored bucket loads, and the service into him at Anfield was basically non-existent. So, I mean, there's feeding off scraps, and there's feeding off nothing. And I think Lukaku came into the second category at Anfield. So to then start criticising him for missing that one chance, and it was one chance in the game, wasn't and it really? And he, well, exactly. And we we criticised Van Gaal quite heavily, I think, at the time for saying that you could go through the entire 90 minutes and you'd have one chance and he'd expect his players to put it away. And as we discovered, and he, as he discovered over the course of the season, that's, that's not entirely realistic. So for people to have a go at Romelu Lukaku, I, I thought was just, I thought it was just a bit silly. But so let's say uh, we would expect him to do this again against City, wouldn't we? I think so. We yeah. think so. It's it's away the first one, isn't it? Yeah. Will that work against City? Because we've seen from City the way they attack, it is just terrifying when when they're in full flow. Yeah. As good as United are defensively, are they good enough to stop that for ninety minutes? Do you think? I don't think it's the way I, th I expect him to play against City uh, that in that fashion, but I'm I'm not sure that it's the way that he's necessarily going to get a good result because I th I think I could see United losing say one nil to City maybe, but I think I, th I think playing against City for ninety minutes like that, you're doing very very well if you, if you keep them out. I think you if you sit back and let them have the possession because their, their game is built on possession. So if you let them have possession for 90 minutes, they're probably going to do something with it over the course of 90 minutes. And so I think trying to keep the ball off them, at least for some parts of the game, is, is a useful tactic. Yeah, it's going to be those those issues that dog City last season that we haven't really seen this season. You know, things like second balls. I think they're going to be the things he'll, he'll really focus on looking ahead to that. And I suppose the the, the real um, asset test for me would be that Spurs home game at home. Mm first title rival season at home um, how are they going to set up will it still will it be like a happy medium between those defensive and attacking displays or is he going to just go go for it and look to send out a statement that way you know with a, a big win because Tottenham are obviously coming to you know serious form they look like they could go on another run of you know seven eight nine ten games unbeaten so I think that's going to be the one um, that may surprise people I think most people are expecting at City it's going to be, you know, batting down the hatches, prepare, you know, Fellaini and Herrera in midfield with Matic kind of a thing, you know. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily think that was necessarily a, a bad mm. thing. No. But I think United are really missing Pogba, aren't they? Um, it's it's they got away with it for a few games, but it's felt against Liverpool and against Benfica as well. They really miss Pogba in midfield. 
Um, but I think packing them a field against City is not necessarily no. a, a bad a bad strategy. Well, it's one thing missing Pogba, and then it's also missing Fellaini, isn't it? Who, who is a very different player, but again, he's an outlet in midfield, which. I don't know, is it looking at Herrera again last night, he's just not doing that job, is he? I don't I don't think he comes close to filling the boots of, of a Pogba. I wanted to talk about Herrera. Like what does he know what he's supposed to be doing? Because last year he kind of was developed, didn't he, as this more defensive minded player. United now have Matic to do that, who does it much better, by the way. Um, so Herrera in theory should be more to his natural position moving forward. But he doesn't really seem to be doing that. He doesn't seem to really know what his role is in that team. And um, certainly he's not been great in either of the games against Liverpool or Benfica, although it's difficult to think of any United player who was great against Benfica that certainly was not isolated to Herrera. Um, but he just he seems to look a little bit lost in many ways. When you think of how good he was last year, it's just not really happened for him. Well, he looks like literally half the player, doesn't he? I, he's small as well. <laughs> kind of what he's like lost in the land of giants, isn't he? You take out... It's one thing filling the hole that Pogba leaves. Fellaini does it, if only as a purely as a physical yeah. <laughs> thing. When you bring in Herrera, he just looks a bit, a little bit confused, doesn't really know... He's not imposing himself on the game the way that those other two players do, and Matic. Yeah, I think it's... With him, he thrives on instruction. So if you think of some of the man-marking jobs he's done, mm. uh, particularly on Hazard last season, I mean, that was one of the great individual performances mm. in the midfield last season. And I think it's been quite telling that the things that have stood out for him this season have been his attitude and his leadership, that um, you can't necessarily pin him down a performance. It's been more the effect he's had on his teammates and cajoling them, whether he's playing or not playing, his attitude. You know, there's been none of this... Barcelona talk however fanciful he's, he's been very focused on United and trying to get back into the team and uh, I think there's an argument that you know is he even that creative force he was three four years ago that he's been kind of programmed into you know the Van Hal years of not necessarily roaming forward to uh, a ridiculous extent and then Mourinho obviously um, using him in a deeper very effective role um, and it's how in a three-man midfield he could probably thrive in that a bit more but when it's a two-man and he knows Matic is holding the four it's kind of like well am I a halfway house between you know say Mkhitaryan and then um, Matic so he's kind of caught between two stools a little um, but you know it's a long season he's going to have a game where he makes the difference potentially in, in a really tight tough game and um, I don't think any United fans will be particularly worried long term about him it just seems a bit of a, a strange run of games for him and, and a couple of other players like Mkhitaryan and they've just kind of ever so slightly gone off the boil without necessarily hurting the team but I'm sure it's one to keep an eye on yeah. I wonder how much faith Mourinho's got in, Mata, uh, in, in Herrera I don't think he's anywhere near United's strongest 11 I don't think he gets even close to it as in you've got Pogba obviously yeah. Then it's it seems to be Fellaini, doesn't it? At a push, it's then it's then Herrera. Who knows if if, if Carrick had been fit, maybe he'd been ahead of him. So Matic and Carrick is not a partnership I'd like to investigate. <laughs> the guile. I'm wondering would would Matic then become the attacking <laughs> midfielder? He's all right carrying the ball yeah. forward, isn't he? But Herrera, he has, do we think Mourinho's lost faith in him? Um, no, I, I don't necessarily think so. I, it, 
he's not necessarily a Mourinho type player I don't think particularly mm. you know he was he played a certain role last season and Mourinho has now gone out and bought the player to fulfill that role in a much better way both in Mourinho's formation and arguably you know any formation because Herrera sort of pushed into that role wasn't he um, and so now he doesn't fit into United's strongest 11 and it's I think it's probably been difficult for him. I mean, he was fans player of the year last year and he's um, really struggled to get a game this year. And when he's, you know, brought back into Liverpool, into the Liverpool uh, lineup quite, quite suddenly for, for a game that's very specific. Um, and that, that malaise, if you like, from the Liverpool game seemed to carry into a few of them against Benfica. The, the first half against Benfica was arguably even worse than um, the Anfield game, I, I personally thought, for... for and, and that wasn't a Mourinho fault. Uh, I thought Mourinho set up too defensively at the weekend, but I thought um, against Benfica, it was more the players not seeming to be able to pass the ball was the main uh, problem with that one. Um, but I think I think Herrera's therefore had a difficult a difficult start to the season, difficult job to to come in and replace Pogba very suddenly into a different role than he was playing last season. I think I think it'll take him some time, and I think as Kieran said, there's a long season. There's definitely games where he's going to come in and do a job, and the, the game will suit him. But let's be honest, if, if Pogba was fit, he would never have started against Anfield, at Anfield, would he? Another player who's not having his best of times, you touched on it, Kieran, is Mkhitaryan. Um, I'm trying to think of the last time I saw him have a really good game. Can you help me out here? Moscow, I think. Yeah, Moscow, I was going to say Moscow. But it, it's, that was the isolated one, wasn't it? Um, we both said Moscow pretty instantly because it's the one game this season where you can think over 90 minutes or you know, the full the full time of his time on the pitch, he was good because his two assists against Swansea came um, in the last 10 minutes, I think. Uh, you were there, Kieran. Mm. Um, but for the first 80 minutes, he, he struggled a little bit and people were thinking, oh, maybe he'll, his number will come up when Mourinho makes a change. Mourinho stuck with him and he got his, got his two assists. But for the first the first 80 minutes, were, were hardly vintage, I suppose. I mean, it's great to have a player like that who can not have a good game and then turn the match like that. But... I think Moscow was the game this season where I thought he's had a really good game rather than a good 10 minutes. I think it's interesting, it was a few weeks ago, Danny Blind said that he was one of the undroppables, didn't they, from Mourinho's, uh, it was it five undroppables? Um, yeah, six, six. Six undroppables. Um, and you kind of begin to think, well, maybe maybe he was onto something there because he should be dropped from, from what I've seen. I, I would have dropped him probably a good while ago. And what is it then, do we think, that Mourinho likes so much about him? Obviously, he's a quality player, no doubt about that. But we've not seen any consistent run of form of him influencing games at any point since, since he's been here, have we? Yeah, I think it's it, him and Mata, if you compare them on paper, I think Mata only has a goal all season. That's the only direct influence he's had. He's not had an assist. Whereas if you flip it and look at Mkhitaryan, he's obviously, the way he started the season numbers-wise, was, was one of the best in Europe. You know, he assists and goals West Ham, Swansea... Uh, Moscow, of course, um, but if you look at his overall game, he, he almost comes to life in the last 10 minutes, and I think that's the attraction with him, is that um, if you have him on the field when defences are tiring, he's, he's able to find an extra gear um, to be able to pull out a magical moment, and particularly that Swansea game, um, in hindsight, it looked really, really comfortable, but there were times where he could have seen that turn maybe like last season or the season before and having someone like Mkhitaryan to, to pull something out um, at any time during the match is, is a big appeal because even when he's you know heading for a, a four or five out of ten he'll pull out something and it gets the United home and it gets them 
you know, the seven or eight. And that's the attraction. I think he's probably one of the few players in that squad who, up until now, could consistently do that. And when you think of his treatment last season, um, how it took him right until mid-November to, to even get a start, um, a run of starts, it's, it, maybe that's playing on his mind as well, that um, people were giving out saying, why isn't he in the team? And now it's gone 360. And it's like, well, come on, shuffle it up. And I suppose when you look at how Martial has been treated and um, it's easy to make the, the comparison and say, well, you know, wouldn't tough love bring the same out of Mkhitaryan? And I think I'd be very interested to see what happens going into next week because I'm sure um, he'll play against Huddersfield, but that Swansea game, he'll have to sit that one out, you think. Well, my question was going to be, how long before we see Lukaku with Rashford and Martial? The, the interesting thing about Mkhitaryan is I think Kieran's right that um, you, you can see why Mourinho wants to hang on to him on the field because his, his, his numbers are so good. But he's very rarely completed a 90 minutes this season. I think last night he came off in stoppage time and I think that was the, th the third time he'd reached stoppage time this season. Um, so he is being brought off. And the, the interesting thing is if you could have... Uh, Lukaku supported by Martial and Rashford for the first 70 minutes then you brought Mkhitaryan on would he mm -hmm. have then have the same benefit that Martial and Rashford have been seeing when they've come on for the other one on the left wing is, is that perhaps something that Mourinho should consider maybe not against Swansea because you'd, you'd want to rest a few of them I think um, in that one but you know is, is there a game a home game where you could start looking at that and seeing whether Mkhitaryan can benefit from some tired legs then but those three I suppose you don't have the uh Beguile mm. of a Mkhitaryan, do you? Is that, and maybe that's what Mourinho's seeing. But just the sheer power and 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 pace of that trio, they they cause all sorts of trouble, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think it's that kind of um, fantasy football element that you could imagine the three of them rampaging on a break and tearing teams apart left, right, and centre. But I think um, you know Matt has really shown his value. He's not necessarily a perfect athlete, but he. That guy has been um, so invaluable, even if you can't equate it to numbers. And it's the same with Mkhitaryan, you know, when he's on form, there isn't anyone on United's team, even Mata, who can do what he can do. And I think it's um, with Rashford and Martial, they can be a bit hot and cold as well. And I think people in this uh, dream world sometimes forget that, that you know, they're, um, they're so brilliant going forward at times, but equally they can have bad games. It's just the nature of being a a winger because I think more than any other position it's the hardest one to have a consistent run in um, both your manager picking you and you performing and, and providing assists because that's what everyone looks at at the end of the season isn't it they're like well he only got three assists so he must have had a terrible season but mm. Mata will have a brilliant season but his numbers mightn't be great but his his um, involvement in team moves and everything is invaluable so it's, it's a tricky tricky to, to measure isn't it? question one word answer Mkhitaryan, Mata, Ozil. This is a lot of dead air right now. <laughs> well, that's because you said one word answer only, but perhaps... No, so we, what, one, one word. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a podcast. What <laughs> um, Mata, I know you're not, you're not going to agree with that, but um, I suppose... You I'll, look younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... Um, I'm not looking at it in, in isolation, I would say. I suppose I'm looking at, you'd have to buy Ozil in was one yeah. of my considerations, and I, I wouldn't. Or not. All right, you'd have to bring him in. Um, and wages. <laughs> and his wages. It, it, but so then you get the cash for selling matter, as uh, of, oh. course, of course oh I, I exclusively revealed in this podcast. Yeah. 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 
um, which incidentally I didn't, I didn't explicitly reveal, but it still became a headline. It might again. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just wonder if maybe what we're saying about Mkhitaryan and matter and their ability to influence over the long term, maybe that is why stories like Ozil aren't going away. And maybe yeah. that is the attraction for Mourinho. Ozil's numbers are great, by the way. <laughs> um, but I, I suppose I like I like watching Matter. I know he can drift in and out of games, but Mkhitaryan's been really quite inconsistent this season. And I think we have reached this age where people look at the numbers. And actually, if you if you watch the game, I love the influence that Matter has on the team moves, as Kieran touched on. And that's what that's what I really like to see. And um, yeah, so that's why I'd be going for Matter at, at this point. I, if if you put lined up the three players in front of me in isolation. If I'm, I don't know, Brighton and offered the uh, offered one of the three, perhaps my answer would be different. Yeah, yeah I'd probably agree with that, to be honest. Um, I don't know, is it because Matt is a nice guy as well? And that kind <laughs> of influences you, but um, yeah, he's just, he's always been like a personal favourite player of mine. He's just got so much. I think he fills a really important tactical role in that team as well. That probably more than any other player made that formation work. Um, just the way links play drifts inside and um i think that's finally the perfect system for him because we were sitting here not necessarily here but a year ago and we were saying you know is madame Mourinho player and now you know not many others have started more games than him um and i think he knows how to manage him as well you know if there's a a tricky away trip like stoke or uh, moscow or liverpool you know to keep him on the bench for that but in the other games against kind of the lesser teams he really thrives so that seems to be really good going forward and with Ozil, I think it's, um, you know, he's one of Mourinho's favourite ever players. They really did well together at Real Madrid. Um, you know, his set-piece delivery is very appealing. Um, but I think it's a bit dangerous to bring in another, you know, inverted commas luxury player, you know, small, not necessarily that fast. Um, and he's, he's had a, a cold couple of years, you know, where you're looking at Ozil and you think, has he already peaked? Even though he's, he's, he's not hit 30 yet. But um, I think even on a free... I'd be very wary of that um, if they're looking at bringing in a big name. Even free? Yeah, yeah, I go as far as I know. You don't want Ozil for nothing. No. Because United's finances. Take Ozil, nothing. I would for whatsoever. He's yours. If it's my my League of Ireland team, yeah, fair No, but I think in terms of. You've got Jesse Lingard there. A lot of people forget about. I know he's not necessarily the first name on the team sheet, but you've already got. Those three positions, you've got Martial, Rashford, Mkhitaryan, Mata, Lingard. You're probably looking at another one coming next summer in the shape of, you know, potentially Griezmann or something like that. How the hell could they justify going for Ozil if they don't push one of the, the others who've done well out the door? Um, you know, realistically, I don't think you can justify that, given he's going to be one of their top earners, surely. All those names you just mentioned, mm. they, they have something in common. They can be improved upon. Yeah. Surely, <laughs> I think. But if the Kieran, manager can do that. Kieran, <laughs> Kieran's that right. <laughs> if, Kieran's right, though. If you bring in someone else, then you've got another element of competition. Uh, for me, I'd rather see if you, if you're going to say if take Griezmann as a point of a point of argument. Say he arrives next summer, and then you're looking for another attacking outlet. I'd rather see someone who is a genuine right winger, or mm. can at least play as a genuine right winger, and somewhere else. And that would give United another dimension rather than adding another sort of one who, who quite likes to play number 10. Mm. And, and free is a little disingenuous, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, A, you've got his wages, uh, and B, it's not coming out of my personal bank account. It's coming out of United's bank accounts, and their finances are such that 
doesn't really make too much of a difference whether you buy Ozil in January for 20 million or free in the summer, surely. Yeah. 20 million for Ozil's effectively free anyway, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so we're not Ozil fans, no? I, no, I think I think you think back to uh, was 2010 World Cup. He was just oh, fantastic, fantastic. Really good. and I think his first season at Arsenal really good. All his time at Real Madrid really good. But for me, just I'd be very wary of going in there I when Alexis Sanchez is available potentially. If you're going down that road of fantasy football, um, I think he'd be a much better sign for United. I agree, and you know I love the Germans, but I'm, I'm totally I'm totally with Kieran on this one. <laughs> Okay. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Joke. Moving on to a happier, an easier subject. I don't know about happier. Uh, an easier subject. Um, what do we read into Jose Mourinho's interview in France? What was he thinking? Why did he do it? Why would he talk up Paris Saint Germain? What was he doing on French French TV? I d- he speaks French as well. Was that the only reason? <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think it was like an anniversary program for that program, like their 50th, and they got this big name. So they it. thought they'd get a Portuguese yes. manager of an English club. I know. Perfect fit. Yeah, not like Laurent Blanc, but so. Um, I'd, I'd rather speak to Mourinho than Laurent Blanc. Yeah, that's exactly. So there's, there's, there's but there's been a lot of good French footballers, haven't they, or football managers? Maybe they're all sick of him. Maybe, over yeah. there, we don't know. Yeah. It was a good scoop for them, to yeah. be fair, wasn't yeah, it? it? was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, now we're talking about a week later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We always read something into everything Mourinho does. Don't we? There's always a motive for it. You know, he doesn't do anything by accident, ever, anything. Never had an accident in his life. Always a reason. So what was his reason? Because <laughs> um, this has dominated. Yeah. It's, do- it's dominated the agenda this week, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's led on to stories that he's not happy at United, uh, that he might leave because he wants more money, etc., mm. etc. Et he's done nothing to to dampen that yeah. talk, saying he's uh, nothing is happening with his contract and he won't finish his career at United. It feels deliberate, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose if you look at the past, he's been there since May 2016, so you're talking what, like nearly 18 months. Which is long term these days for any manager. And when you life. look at that period, particularly the past few months, um, have probably been the best period of that overall eighteen months, where he probably feels it's the strongest hand to play to angle for things. So, you know, you think they won the Europa League in May, they're into the Champions League. They had a very good start to the league so far, and he's probably thinking, you know, want to safeguard and have the kind of um, biggest display of confidence would be to get a new deal. And he's done that before. Um, it's just usually after winning a major trophy is when he's been handed new contracts in the past. So I think United maybe um, would would want to reward him, but to reward him at this stage, I think for me personally, would be a bit strange. Um, I think if he's won a league title and um, brought that back, you know, you give him a, a five-year deal happily, even though I don't think many people expect him to be here beyond that, you know? Um, so for me, I don't think some United fans who, who like him will, will be worrying necessarily because um, I think PSG will be his obvious next move. It's the only big club, really, in big country he hasn't managed in. And to bring the Champions League to PSG must be a really appealing thing along with all the money and the amazing lifestyle he'll bring. But I think he, he more than anyone, is, is focused on the job at hand and to, to have that on his CV that he succeeded at United would perhaps be his one of his greatest ever achievements. 
um, given how two managers suffered so badly in, in stepping up after Ferguson and, and putting their own imprint on the club. What I don't get is that PSG have been there for a long time. Mm. The PSG Mourinho thing had been hanging around long before he came to United, when he was at Chelsea, uh, even Real Madrid. So why why now? That I get the feeling that PSG are always going to be there. Yeah. So I don't quite buy the idea that this is a come and get me please PSG. No. I think it is he's saying to United, look, that's just waiting for yes. me. That's waiting for me. So you show me how much you love me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's nails it on the head really. And I suppose in one way it's it's never been a more exciting time to be involved with PSG when you think in the next three years. Uh, you know they're going to have Neymar and Mbappe as their strike force. Mm. That's pretty much guaranteed now, isn't it? And there's probably a never, never a better chance of them potentially becoming Champions League winners um, because they've somehow uh, up to this point worked around financial fair play. Uh, who knows what that what will happen in the next few years with that? But they've got the ingredients there of you know arguably the top three strike force in Europe and with the right tactical setup and manager, the feeling for ages has been they could really go on and make a statement and not throw away a lead like they did against Barcelona last season. So I think that's a really attractive project for him, but um, he's got a job to do at United, and I, I, I don't think he's going to lose sight of that because that's that's been his dream job. And I think it's easy to forget that, that you know, how um, unsavoury it was that, he came in through the back door and Van Hal was, was shunted and, and that's kind of forgotten in a way that what they had to do to get Mourinho and how much he wanted that job and I don't think that's going to change um, but to see him there beyond even three seasons is is interesting now because he's never really done that and to do that and be successful is, is really hard. Can we um, just have a minute though to consider how, how good Mourinho's uh, press conferences are they're a work of art aren't they I mean he, he does this interview himself with the the French t- French TV and he comes out say, oh you English media you always talk about my contract situation all right and and then um, it's not just that though is it I mean no, no one knew about Eric Bailly's injury he was asked uh, directly about that uh, directly about injuries and he was like nope that's it and he, he does he does use the media very very well and I'm fairly sure this is another example of that as, as Kieran says I'm fairly sure he's just reminding them that uh, PSG is still there and Paris is a really nice city to live in. It's similar because they're both represented in the UK by the same uh, creative agents, assets agency. I'm not saying that they go together, but they both come from the same, um, you know, him and Cristiano Ronaldo have that same kind of, they know their power, they know their standard in football, they know they can manipulate. However obvious it seems, it, no matter how obvious it seems, no one really thought Ronaldo was going to come back to United, but for a month there are just those constant stories and it's kind of similar now in why the hell would Mourinho go you know even before the end of this season it just wouldn't make sense um, but it's just a reminder I guess that rather than getting comfortable um, you know he has options and it's up to United to match his ambition and they've done that in the transfer market and um, well, I think it's, o- it's over to him now to deliver isn't it? There was a suggestion in one of the stories about um, what's making him unhappy, which incidentally he's made a point of telling United behind the scenes he's not unhappy, that he was unhappy with the transfer dealings right. or, the, or the transfer process, let's say. Yeah. That seems strange because it feels like Woodward in particular yeah. has given him everything he wants. Yeah. A mystery fourth player. Yes. Yeah. That, yes. Yeah. 
So not right. really mysteries, the mysterious, shall we say, because it was clear sort of which areas it was it was going to be. Certainly, Griezmann may have changed things, but certainly by the end of it, you knew it was going to be the wide the wide player that they wanted and, and was forced to not not get. But then if you look at the impact that Martial and Rashford had on that mm. wing, perhaps it's left back you might want to look at next summer now rather than uh, left wing. You suspect if he was really that serious about Perisic, given the differential in what United offered and what Inter wanted, yeah. they would have gone that extra yard. Yeah. And you suspect that maybe that's because there's another one down the line who possibly wasn't available this yeah. this I summer. Yeah, the Perisic always felt just went on too long, didn't yeah. it? The negotiations over five or ten million pounds went on far too long for it to actually ever be a, a serious thing. That might well have been Morata all over again with the 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 stringing Real along before signing who they really wanted. Maybe they were doing the same there. But it's interesting, Kieran, what you said about generally when he gets a new contract, it's after winning yes. a major trophy. With him pushing for it now, mm. do you think that? highlights a lack of confidence that he will win that major trophy at United? Um, on which side, that United won't give him it or that he wants it? That usually a, he's, it's, it's a position of strength in that yeah. I've just delivered you the title, now give me a contract. Is he not so confident that at the end of this season he'll be able to say, I've just given you a title, yeah. now give me a contract? Yeah, it's quite possible. I, I know, you know he doesn't lack confidence. I'm sure he's not thinking anything less than delivering a title, but... Um, yeah, it just feels there's there's been a real change because I remember his first press conference of the season. He was like, you know, I'm on fire. I can't wait for all these games. Mm. Bring it on. And you think how um, subdued he was uh, towards the end of last season after those run of games and injuries and everything built up. But already you can feel a little bit of a change. You know, he's, he's chippy. He's Wearing a nice suit. Yeah. <laughs> so the fleece is gone for the moment. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he... You know, privately he'll be confident he can deliver the title. But I think he has continually talked talked of you know the the horses analogy and how you know the squad you know there aren't necessarily that many title winners in there. So if he was to win the title this season, you would argue it'd be one of his best ever achievements. But um, for me personally, I wouldn't reward someone until they've done that. You know, to give him a new five year deal when. In the heart of hearts, you know, you're going to have to pay him a compensation fee because the likelihood is he probably won't uh, last out the whole contract. It just, for me, it would seem strange timing to, to give him one at this moment. A theory I heard positive this week was that there's no way he's going to want to be in Manchester <laughs> watching what Pep Guardiola is doing over at City. He doesn't want to be at United while potentially the greatest team this country's ever seen is being produced by Guardiola. I don't buy that for a second. Mourinho is not someone who runs away from the fire. He runs into it, doesn't yeah. he? I think he would love to be here and stop Pep Guardiola from doing yeah. that. Would we agree with that? Yeah, I would entirely agree with that. Yeah. When he was when he's at Chelsea, obviously stopped a great Arsenal team. When yeah. he was at Real Madrid, stopped a great Barcelona team mm -hmm. for one season, admittedly, but still it was a, a good achievement. And um, at Inter, you know, think of the Champions League drought they had had. I mean, he did that, and that seemed impossible. So, I think. Even going back to Chelsea, put it all on his on the line to go back for a second time. Very few managers have succeeded when they've done that, and we know it ended badly. Still won a title there, so I think this challenge is is incredibly exciting for any manager. And um, I think the only thing that kind of sticks out is you know if 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 he was living in a house and his family were here, I think it might be looked at a bit differently. But 
the thing that always sticks with me is that he's, he's still living in a hotel and um, I know you know circumstances are circumstances but if he really meant a long-term stay and he wanted a long-term contract then would he still be living in the Lowry in 2023 you know that it's, mm. it seems a strange idea that for me personally it's a long time to live in a hotel yeah. isn't it? especially I, mean, I know like a lot of people these days do kind of work away mm. during the week we'll live in a hotel and, and come back at the weekend that's because there's family there yeah. he doesn't really have that opportunity does he to go down to london for two two days three days a week he's, he's in the lowry a lot it does it is it has become a bit of an oddity i think mm. that it's, it's it's gone on quite so long i mean the lowry is not it's a run-of-the-mill hotel, isn't it? It's, it's not. It's not um, Alan Partridge travel lodge. <laughs> uh, from what I hear, the, the no, suites there are pretty spectacular. It's almost yeah. like a, an apartment. Yeah, but it's it's not an apartment, is it? You are still living in a hotel. You got your hair cut. <laughs> well, well, I'll take it. I'll take it all back. That's Luxury. Right, that, as long as you can get your hair cut, that, that's that's going to be fine. Are we saying that none of us can see him living in Manchester? Having lived, having been. A property a resident. Yeah. Well, I, I think that would, just looking at it, I think that would make a world of difference that A, would send a message out and B, for his own sanity, you know, to think that most of his assistants, as far as I know, they live out as well. And it just still seems strange that if you want to be here for, you know, okay, not 15 years as he previously claimed, but you want to be here at least, you know, three to five years that he's still putting that off because, you know, he's, he has the one house in London. I'm sure he could afford to rent somewhere in Manchester or Cheshire or Alderley Edge or whatever. I agree that it sends a message, but it's it, yeah. it, it, it would send a message, but it's utterly and utterly true. meaningless, man. Yeah, it is because managers don't last longer than eighteen months, do they? So it just seems strange, doesn't it? it, it well, it's just it's something else to yeah. to add to the uncertainty, isn't it? Yeah. But we all, none of us here, are thinking he's angling for a way out. No, I think he's no. angling for pay rise. Yes. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can keep up to date with all our latest episodes by subscribing to iTunes and Audio Boom. We'll be back next week.